Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive, or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Well, good morning, Thrive. How are we doing? Nate, are, are you here? Nate, yeah, would you play for a minute? Um, I want to take a minute and just pray for a couple things in our midst this morning. Maybe Nate can play. Um, Lynn in our church is really struggling. She's sick and some other people. Can we, just, can we just lift up those needs for a couple of minutes? Father, we thank you for today, Father. We thank you that your presence is in this place, Lord. God, we lift up Lynn to you right now, God, and we ask for your healing, that you move upon her body right now. God, as she's battling with sickness, with illness, that by your stripes, God, you would move into her body, you would heal her, God. She would live, God, abundantly whole. God, not just a little better, but abundantly whole. She would move into that in her body, God. Your word says healing is the children's bread. God, you came, and you didn't just come to give us give us life, but you said to give us life abundantly. And we ask that for Lynn right now, God. We ask that in this place, in this house, your word would be said, God. No more, no less. God, not my agenda, not what we want to get done or what we want to say. God, I pray for the Bucks outreach. I pray for your hand upon it. God, we ask the lost come home, and we would be a people who see people come back to you. I pray you would heal broken hearts even in this place today. God, you would speak and have your way. You would imbue value into people's hearts. God, you would move across this place and speak, Lord. Open up our eyes in Jesus' name. Keep playing for a minute, Nate. um, If if you're new to Thrive, you just need to know I, I love Christmas. I love all things Christmas. All the stuff this morning. When people are like, can we do this? Come on. Yep, yep, yep. Um, I mean, obviously, we got to keep it in reason. It won't be Christmas karaoke, but we, will, uh, we, want, we want people to have the opportunity to lift up the name of the Lord and just celebrate God's goodness at this time of year. It's no better time. And one of my favorite things about the year is, uh, is Christmas movies. And my favorite of all, my favorite one of all, is It's a Wonderful Life. It is just the best. Jimmy Stewart is amazing in it. But while you're, while you're looking at this picture, this is, the, this is the scene right before he jumps off the bridge. But spoiler alert, you know, he, he, it, it, he doesn't take his life. Um, but it's been almost 100 years, so you should have seen it by now. And um, just moments after winning his 1941 Academy Award for Best Actor in the Philadelphia Story, Jimmy Stewart, one of the best-known actors of the day, left Hollywood and joined the U.S. Army. He was the first big-name movie star to enlist in World War II. An accomplished private pilot, the 33-year-old Hollywood icon became a U.S. Army Air Force aviator, earning his second lieutenant commission in early 1942. With his celebrity status and huge popularity with the American public, he was assigned to starring in recruiting films, attending rallies, and training younger pilots. Stewart, however, wasn't satisfied. He wanted to fly combat missions in Europe. In 
not spend time in stateside training command or using a celebrity. 19, by 1944, frustrated and feeling the war was passing by, he asked his commanding officer to transfer him to a unit deploying to Europe, and his request was reluctantly granted. Stewart, now a captain, was sent to England where he spent the next 18 months flying B-24 Liberator bombers over Germany. Throughout his time overseas, the U.S. Army Air Corps top brass had tried to keep the popular movie star from flying over enemy territory, but Stewart wouldn't hear of it. Determined to lead by example, he bucked the system assigning himself to every combat mission he could. By the end of the war, he was one of the most respected and decorated pilots in his unit. But his wartime service came at a personal high price. In the final months of World War II, he was grounded for being flak happy, what today we would call post-traumatic stress disorder. When he returned to the U.S. in August 1945, Stewart was a different man. He lost so much weight, he looked sickly, he rarely slept, and when he did, he had nightmares of planes exploding and men falling through the sky screaming. In one mission alone, his unit lost 13 planes and 130 men, most of whom he knew personally. He was depressed, he couldn't focus, he refused to talk to anyone about his experiences, his acting career was almost over. As one of Stewart's biographers put it, every decision he made during the war was going to preserve life or cost lives. He took back to Hollywood all the stress he built up. And in 1946, something changed. <laughs> and he took the role of George Bailey, the suicidal father and It's a Wonderful Life. Actors and crew of the set realized in many of the disturbing scenes, George, uh, the scenes of George Bailey unraveling, Stewart wasn't acting. His PTSD was being captured on film for millions to see. But despite Stewart's inner turmoil, making the movie was therapeutic for the combat veteran. And he'd become one of the most accomplished and loved actors in American film history. And when asked in 1941 why he wanted to leave his acting career to fly combat missions over Nazi Germany, he said the country's conscience is bigger than all the studios in Hollywood put together. And the time will come when we'll have to fight. Postscript, while fighting in Europe, Stewart's Oscar statue is proudly displayed in his father's Pennsylvania hardware store. Throughout his life, the beloved actor said his father, a World War I veteran, was the person who made the biggest impact on him. And in 1985, he won the Presidential Medal of Freedom, died in 1997 at the age of 89. Why would Jimmy Stewart in real life do that? Why would you do that? He has fame. He has a way to get out of the war. And, and it's sad because the, literally the generation, the literal actors that followed him in the generation right behind him ran, ran from war, ran to other countries, denounced it, mocked it. But Jimmy Stewart, they had a, there was a generation that said, we will honor because I love our country. More than that, he loved what it represented. He, uh, loving your country isn't, isn't weird patriotism. It's not Christian nationalism which is a dog whistle for Marxists, and that's a different conversation. We can talk about it later. Love of country, look around you. 
This is the country. If you're here, you're the country. Just like look around you. This building isn't. This is the church. You're the church. You are. Jimmy Stewart loved the people and this land. His heart broke for it. And he said, I can't stand idly by. Now the thing is, he could have. But real men and real women don't stand by. We engage. And that is the nature of the God we follow and the Christmas story. It is God stepping in to the mess and the destruction and the sin-soaked world and saying, I will join and lead the fight against the darkness. That's how much God loved us. John 3.16, if you don't know the verse, Colin said it a little bit ago. First, if you don't know the verse, we're so glad you're here for the first time today. <laughs> um, it's a classic. It's the centerpiece of our faith. For this is how God loved... Matter of fact, let's do this. Let's do the old, old church thing. Let's stand together and read it together. We're going to get all kinds of old today. All right? Let's read it together. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. You can sit down. Man, we're getting all kinds of Catholic today. I'm excited. All right, so, so listen, that verse, that verse is the centerpiece of Christianity. If you don't know and believe that verse, you don't know God. You just don't. This is it. It is all about this. Everything we believe, think, do, the systems we have, the, the songs we sing, what we appoint and don't appoint, where we give money, it's all from this. It's all from the, everything is about this. And, and the primary thing, what does it start with? That story right there, this is how God loved the world. The other versions, God so loved the world. God's heart broke so, just like Jimmy Stewart's for his nation for, and what was happening around the world. God, for his, his creation, his heart breaks and says, I can't watch this anymore. You see, you're, we think of it from there forward. But you got to know the story from there backwards, from before time began, from before creation. God had you and I in his heart, and he forms this world. But the problem is, they keep giving themselves over to sin and destruction again and again and again. The atheists, guys like Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens, try and use those arguments like God of the Old Testament is cruel. He's unkind. He's, he's megalomaniacal. There's the word I'm looking for. And, and so forth. And I would say, uh, while those men are intelligent in certain arenas, when it comes to the God of the Bible, they're fools. They're morons. They know nothing. When God pours out his wrath, it is never in joy. And it's after years, centuries, millennia of God being patient, of God giving warnings. 
If you're, if you're 25 and I tell you, man, don't walk in that street, don't walk in, that's a busy street, you shouldn't just walk out there, and you just keep creeping out there and creeping out there, I'm like, don't do it, please, come back. I'm screaming at you, I'm sending messengers, I'm texting you. No, I'm just gonna walk out there, that's a busy street. No, don't do it, don't just walk out there. You've gotta have me, you've gotta follow, you've gotta have somebody with you, you just, and, and they just keep going, and eventually one day in defiance, they run out into that street and they get hit by a car. None of you would blame me. You'd say you did everything you could. You stepped in, you tried to pull them back, you did all the things. It's defiance, and it's the natural result. And Jesus shows up after thousands of years and finally says, I'm going to be the one who gets hit by the traffic. I'm going to be the one who goes to the cross, who takes God's wrath upon himself. God pours all his wrath back on himself. He comes in a manger to nothing and no one, to nobodies in the, what seems like the middle of nowhere, behind the inn in the back, in the stall in the cave, to a teenage girl and a carpenter kid. And he pours out his love this way to live a blameless, perfect life. He doesn't come on a throne, and he could have. He doesn't. He doesn't come riding on a white horse, but that's how he's coming back. But this time he comes low. He comes in serving. He stoops to conquer. God so loved the world. Just breaking that verse down. God so loved the world. The Advent candle today is love. God loves you. That is a truth that is outside of time and is before you, is outside of you. That truth is beyond you. Whether you acknowledge it or not, God loves you. If you are breathing, God loves you. This week, I actually spent some time as I was doing the message and meditated on that. I, I said it back to myself sometimes. God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. <laughs> over and over, I meditated on that thought. See, you and I can never wrap ourselves around that truth. You can never get it down enough where you understand the depths, the intensity, and the power of those words enough. God loves you. It is above and beyond you. It's more powerful than you. It will outlast you. It was before you that God loves you. The God, the one of creation, the one that birthed universe into, into existence, the one who said, be, and there was light, and, and formed the depths of the oceans. You know, this is crazy. We know more about outer space than the depths of the oceans, Except God. God knows. And he formed it. And all of that, he chose to love you. He loves you that much. See, truth is truth whether we believe it or not. If you're like, I don't believe in gravity. All right. Let's do an experiment. 
I need somebody who's feeling strong, like really strong. Like went to the gym twice today strong. Kobe, all right, come on, man. <laughs> Hurry it up. All right, Kobe. I need you to take this jug of snow juice, and I need you to hold it out here for as long as you can without dropping it or without your arm dropping. Ready? All right, go. All right, now let's see how strong Kobe is. We're going to take some time and just, uh, just lean in and, and hang in there. We'll see how long Kobe does. He's feeling good today. He's young, strong, farm kid, right? Handled some hay in his time, right? All right. So here's the thing. You keep going, all right? We're going to measure. You're, he's right at shoulder length right now, and we're going to hang in there. You can't switch arms, by the way, and you can't add your other arm. Just the one arm. Okay, good stuff. So here's the thing. He's going to hold that for a while. He's going to do pretty good. A little shakier, right? A little bit. Take as long as you need. And here's the thing. He can do it for a long time. Matter of fact, while he's doing that, if you say, I don't believe in God, it's truth that he still loves you. You don't love him back, but he still loves you. If you say, God doesn't love me because of what I've been through, it's not true. It seems true. But he still loves you. If you believe, I believe every religion's really the same. You're wrong. But God still loves you. If you say, I hate God, all right. He still loves you. How's it going, Kobe? It's getting heavier. You're losing it? All right. Thank you so much. Good job, Kobe. Yeah. It's not because he's not strong or incapable. At some point or another, gravity takes hold because gravity is true. We can defy it all we want, but at some point it takes hold. It's true. You can run, you can hide, you can push back, you can deny, but at some point you will recognize that God loves you. It's absolutely true, whether you want it to be or not. But here's the thing. If, matter of fact, the Bible says this, 1 John 4, 8, God is love. Now, you should know, it doesn't say love is God. It doesn't say that. It says God is love, meaning he is the very definition of love. We know what love is because God exists. We have information about love because of him. It's, we are informed by God's imprint upon our very lives. The DNA of God, the Bible says the thumbprint of God, the imago dei, the image of God we are made in. It is built into us. We know murder is wrong, whether or not. Every culture in the world that has ever existed has thought murder is wrong to a point. Now they had weird versions of it. Maybe some sacrificed their children. Some ate other people. And that's messed up. But there was still, you didn't murder these people. You don't murder because that was wrong. It's built in somewhere. No matter how we skew it or mess it up, we know it's wrong because the DNA of God is there. Well, it's also true in love. We know what love is because God exists. We get that information from him. And if he is the definition of what love is, then he's also the definition of what love is not. We put our own preconditions on what we think God is or what love is based on our self-idea of love. We take the imprint of God and we try and adjust it. 
We'll try and rework the fingerprints so they match ours. But God is love. And we need to align with his. It's agape love. It's unconditional. It's perfect. It's holy. It's untainted. It's unbiased. It's without malice. It's not, and here's the biggest one, self-seeking. Did Jesus come promoting me? He didn't. He could have, right? If anybody deserves a parade, it's Jesus. <laughs> and he didn't take it. Now here's the thing. Heaven, heaven flipped out, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. We talked about that last week too, but, but humanity didn't. Humanity didn't even know, right? And so if he is the definition of love, that agape love, he defines what it is, and he starts to define it in the very next words of the verse, God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. You want to know what love is? There it is. He gave his son. From the manger to the cross. I'll be honest, if you ask for any of my sons to save you, and, and, and like give them up and it'll save your life, I'd be like, no. Well, hey, one of your kids, their, their heart matches mine, it'll save my life. I'd be like, it was wonderful knowing you. It really was. <laughs> I, I, because I'm not Jesus. I don't love like that. But he does. He loves us so much, he gives his son. God shows up and becomes a man and gives his son. Now, you, you need to understand something. If you don't believe in the concept of a trinity, you're gonna have a tough time with understanding what God did here. That God is three in one. That he's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's not three different gods, that is one God. And the trinity is a mystery, it's hard to understand. But if you don't believe in that concept, you're going to have a really hard time with understanding how God could give his son. See, I have three, I have five fingers, but let's say I'm a cartoon and I just have the three. <laughs> All right? I got three fingers, I got one hand. Do your fingers ever operate in and of themselves doing their own thing? Does your ring finger ever be like, you know, I'm out of here. I'm going to operate over here and you guys can do whatever you want. There's never a day I'm like, oh, I just want to, I, I really hope I can just use my index finger today and none of the rest of them. <laughs> no. Because <laughs> they operate together all the time as one. That's the Trinity. One God in three distinct persons. I don't understand that. None of us do. <laughs> none of us fully do. We know it's true. We've seen it in the Word. We can unpack it. Trinity might be a human explanation for a much better word that God has for it. Maybe, but I'm going to trust the outcome of a lot of great godly men and women who worked a lot and prayed a lot and, and, and did their best to figure out to the best of their knowledge. I'd say it's a pretty good explanation. So God the Father and God the Son could come by way of God the Spirit to save us all. And this idea of giving means he poured himself out. He gave himself up. It's sacrificial. It's unconditional. At no point does Jesus show up on the scene and say, 
everything you do, think, and believe, it's okay, because I love you. That is not what he says. Matter of, a lot of what he says is, this world is pretty messed up. And y'all are the ones who messed it up. <laughs> and I'm here to fix it because I love you. It's kind of like if, if one of my kids one day, they, they set their car on fire and they, 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 they burned all their debts and they, all the stuff and, and, and they, they have a ton of debt and they, you know, their, their, their marriage wasn't trouble. None of them are married, so it's a hypothetical. And, and all of these things, and they call and they're like, Dad, would you help? You got it. And I just came and somehow helped fix the marriage, paid their debts, fixed their car, gave them a new one. I'm not doing it to say, that moment I didn't say, you really did this marriage right. It's not your fault. No. (laughs) At no point am I saying, you didn't do anything wrong with the car. No. You don't need forgiveness if you've done nothing wrong. You can't appreciate the gift God gave us till we have the admission of the guilt we brought upon us. If you think there is no sin in your life, you have no need of Jesus. And Christmas means nothing to you. If we are sinless, the love of God is worthless to us. Now that being said, if you believe you're sinless, you need the love of God more than anybody. Or at least as much. Because that's just a lot of pride. (laughs) none of us are that way. We're all broken. We're all sinners. We all have wickedness in our hearts. We're all somehow a Pharisee, a Roman centurion, a Mary Magdalene, and everything in between. We're all that. The apologists, a lot of them have worked their way through the years. We've all broken God's law through like the Ten Commandments. Ray Comfort would do this, and you can view the videos uh, on the st- uh, of him on the street. Ray Comfort has some great ones like, let's work our way through the commandments. Have, have, you, ever, have you ever swore or taken God's name in vain? Anybody here ever done that before? Put your hands up. Okay, so you've all committed, uh, committed idolatry. You've all taken God's name in vain. Uh, boom, we're, we're all damned to hell. Whoops. Oh, man, I didn't think he was going to say that today. All right, so that doesn't sound like the love of God. Not yet, because God is also holy. Don't mistake one attribute of God for the, for the explanation for all the others. God is love. God is holy, holy, holy. They're not one and the same. They're different, and they're both true about God. God is justice. He is just. Which means if he loves us, but his justice also has to be satisfied. All right? How many of us, it says don't lie. How many of us have lied before? Anybody? Everybody not raising their hands? You are doing it right now, so you can raise your hand. Okay. Great. <laughs> Fantastic. All right? Yeah, we've lied. I want to ask you to raise your hands on this one. How many of us have ever looked at somebody lustfully before? Yeah, don't raise your hands on that one. Okay? <laughs> and please don't point. Okay? <laughs> All right, so there we go. We've all committed adultery somehow. We've all done it. How many of us have decided not to rest at all? 
and just kept working and working and working to the point where you were burned out, bitter, and, and you were affecting other people. Anybody here ever done that? Guess what? You ignored Sabbath rest and God is, that is breaking God's law. He's angry at you for it. You say, God's never mad at me. God's mad at things we do. Yes, he is. But God isn't led by his anger. We are. That's, that's a distinction. And I could just keep going. We've all broken God's law. And then he gave his son to say, but you'll never, you'll never get back up. Because here's the thing. If you murdered somebody, can you unmurder enough people to make up for that one? No, right? If you became the best doctor in the world and saved a thousand lives, would it make up for the one you took? Never. It couldn't. The blood is on our hands. We have sinned. We have fallen short of the glory of God. We are wicked by our nature. We are born into it. And God loves us and says, I will cover that. I will wash. The only thing that washes the blood off our hands is the blood from his hands. And he does it through Jesus. Man, that was good, Pastor Brian. Amen. Come on. That's fantastic. I don't normally say stuff like that, but I know that was good. All right? And here's the thing. God's love is so amazing, so impactful. When you start getting it, it begins to change everything. When you start being like, man, you love me. You really love me. There's a... Years ago, Mercy Me redid the old classic hymn, Love of God. It's so good. And it's a great hymn, if you, if you don't listen to their version. But I love the, the lyrics to that song is so amazing. The love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and so, strong. It can forevermore endure the saints and angels song. The love of God is greater far. This is the best than tongue or pen could ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. I think the words were, if, we, if I were to write the love of God above, if every man of trade were a scribe and the oceans the ocean's parchment made, we would drain the ocean dry. Because who, who could, who could speak and share and know the love of God? Who could grasp it? Who could contain God's affections for you? Can we pause? God loves you. God is with you. He is smiling down on you. He is calling you. Some of you, you're, you're in the muck and the mire of your sin. And you're like, I don't, I don't know what to do. It's really simple. Whoever believes in him will not perish, 
but have everlasting life. What does that mean, Pastor Brian, to believe in him? If you're in awe of this moment that God loves me, my lies, my brokenness, my, my adultery, my, my anger, my rage, my, <laughs> my broken family, my debt, my deception. And I don't, I don't know how to make it right, you know. Well, one, you can't. That's what Jesus did. And then his charge back to us, the free gift of God is saying, believe in me. We have watered that down in Western culture. Especially in the evangelical church. Well, the Catholic church is doing their fair share too. But taking the message and then just being like, so, you know, pray once in a while. You know, go to church around Christmas and Easter. You know, but believe, you know. Like, kind of like we believe the city of Rome exists. <laughs> you know, we believe, you know, that, that um, the ocean's there. But we don't live by it. We can't just go there. We, well, we believe in it. No. We believe about it. We believe on it. We don't believe in it. I've used this analogy before, but here we go again. A lot of us, when it comes to the love of God, say, I, I know God loves me, and I believe in him. I... Let's, we'll call, just for a moment, hang with me, I'm going somewhere with it. The chair is God, all right? It's disappointing God, but nonetheless, the chair is God. Like, a lot of, here's what we do. I believe in chair. I love chair. Chair, I wear a special chair necklace. Chair is very special to me. Once or twice a year, I go, and I stand around chair. I put up lights recognizing chair. I think chair is amazing. Sometimes I like to walk around chair. Sometimes I talk to chair from a distance. Help me, chair. Amen. That's not what the word belief here means, though. In the original language, it was an active belief. It had something to it. It wasn't, if I say I love my wife, and then I and with other people, I don't really love my wife. This is what it means to believe in. To believe in him means action. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. You will follow me. You will come after me. You will walk with me. Thomas Brooks, a theologian, said, Judas Christ, Judas called Christ Lord, Lord, and yet betrayed him. And he's gone to his place. Ah, 
How many Judases have we in these days that kiss Christ and yet betray Christ, that in their words profess Him, but in their works deny Him, that bow their knee to Him, and yet in their hearts despise Him, that call Him Jesus, and yet will not obey Him for their Lord. If you went to your Christmas tree Christmas morning and all the gifts were underneath it and you were like, I love these gifts. These are the best gifts ever. Come on, gifts. Hallelujah, gifts. The gifts make me want to dance. Come on. And then you never open or use them. That's the most pointless Christmas of all. The love of God is to be opened used and walked with to be followed Jesus' gift is absolutely free and it'll cost you everything you have both of those are true at the same time here's the thing when you get everything you'll leave anything it's easy to walk away from sin when you realize who you're getting Worship team, you can come. Do you believe God loves you? Do you believe He gave Himself for you? Most of all, will you believe? Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10.